Good morning. I love it. Yes. Uh, we are continuing. Uh, we started this on Easter. We're looking at what does it mean to be in Christ and and Christ calls us to rise up in him and we get to experience new life and resurrection through his gifts and through his promises. And, and as he walked this earth, he actually brought with him sort of glimpses into that reality that we're going to all get to fully experience at some point. But he set it sort of into motion with his presence as the son of God. And um, one of the things this morning I, I just I, w- I want to talk about as we begin to look at how Jesus sort of created new things and uh, led people to experience new things in their life and see things from a different perspective, is I want to talk about women and the New Testament Judaism. Because uh, there's a lot of things that Jesus did that sort of challenged uh, the cultural norms and pushed the envelope just a little bit in terms of how uh, you would interact with and experience and 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 love uh, women. There was all these different rules in Judaism that began in the Old Testament that really sort of established purity laws, ways to remain clean, ways to remain pure, ways to sort of structure your life and your family systems to sort of keep people faithful. And of course, in the presence of God, when they would come to the to the tabernacle or to the temple, they wanted to be as ceremonially pure and clean as possible to be in the presence of God. And so there was all these different things they put into place to sort of protect themselves from being unclean. And these laws, in some ways, were just sort of spiritual and a little bit abstract. And then sometimes they had very real implications because of disease and sickness. Like you don't want to eat certain foods because if you don't cook them well, they will make you sick and they're unclean, or, or if there's a certain disease or sickness, you want to quarantine them so that it doesn't spread. And so some of it made sense, and some of it, when we read, uh, read about it, uh, doesn't quite make sense. And so there's a story in the gospel I'm gonna, I want to read to you, and, and we'll kind of hit on some of these themes, um, but it's about a woman who was basically ceremoniously unclean because she had been bleeding for 12 years, and it wouldn't stop. And so because of this, people would avoid her. They wouldn't want to touch her. They wouldn't want her to touch them. And, and Jesus, in this moment, sort of shares and shines sort of the gift of new life. And, and you read about this story in Matthew chapter 9. And I'm going to start with verse 18. It says, While he was saying these things to them, behold, a ruler came in and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has just died. Come and lay your hand on her. And she will live. And Jesus rose and followed him and his disciples. And behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, for she said to herself, If I only touch his garment, I will be made well. Jesus turned and seeing her, he said, Take heart, daughter, for your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. And when Jesus came to the ruler's house, he saw flute players and the crowd making commotion. And he said, go away, for the girl is not dead but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had put, been put outside, he went in and took her by the hand and the girl arose. And the report of this went throughout all of the district. You see, Jesus is showing up to to literally raise the dead as he has been, to bring new life. But he's also bringing new life to to people who are suffering, and in particular this woman. 
And, and even this act alone, this connection, this moment, was very unusual. But this is not the only thing that's unusual, and this is what I really want you to see and understand, particularly on this Sunday. Um, in New Testament and Old Testament Judaism, if you wanted to learn about the nature of God, if you wanted to experience sort of what it means to be faithful and learn how God works and moves and breathes and learn the word and all these things, um, you would sit at the foot of a teacher, a rabbi, and you would learn these things. But guess who is not allowed to sit at the feet of a rabbi? Women. (laughs) Only men could study with the rabbi, could only learn from the rabbi. But when Jesus comes on the scene, something shifts and something's interesting. You, you see in Scripture very quickly that women also were disciples. That is, women were learning from Jesus himself. And you, you see this in passages like Matthew chapter 12. He says, But he replied to the man who told him, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hands towards his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and brothers. Forever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. That is, as he was teaching and people were challenging and questioning him, he says, you know, who, who is your mother and brother? Who are your disciples? He says, well, the women, the sisters, the, the men, everyone, anyone who does my will, they are my disciple as they listen to me and, and put into practice everything that I'm teaching. And so he, he allowed for and continued to nurture the women that were gathered around him as he taught and led them and invited them to follow. Not only did Jesus do this, but he also noticed the women on the fringe. He actually noticed everyone on the fringe, to be frank, but in particular, he noticed the women on the fringe. And this is important because women did not have as many rights and opportunities and things available to them um, as the men would. And so, again, uncharacteristically, Jesus as a Jew was reaching out to women in a way that would have been very surprising and shocking. And you see this multiple times throughout the scriptures. You see uh, Jesus at Peter's home with Peter's mother in law. This is not Peter's mother, it's his mother in law, and that may say something too, right? <laughs> she is incredibly ill, and Jesus heals her. And what's crazy to me is uh, that most of the people, when they're healed or, or risen from the dead, they, they go about their business, uh, they, they carry on, they excitedly go and tell other people. But Peter's mother-in-law, when she is healed, what does she do? She immediately starts serving Jesus and, and placing herself at his feet. The gospel I just read, the woman who touched Jesus' garment was on the fringe. It's somebody that people would have avoided like the lepers because they don't know what's going on. They don't know if it's something they can get. And so people would avoid her and, and not interact with her. And she had faith just to believe that if I just can just touch him, I can be healed. And she was, and he saw her, it says in the text. He acknowledged her before everyone. And there's the story of the daughter of Jairus. And you, know, you can say, uh, who is Jairus? Exactly. It's somebody on the fringe. And, and, and Jairus was healed and, 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 and given life, raised. And then there's the story of the widow at Nain. 
And this is interesting, it's a widow. So a widow, like when there was a widow, they had no access to resources. They couldn't go get a job to take care of themselves. Uh, they weren't married anymore because they didn't have a husband to provide for them. And so the widow at Nain had a son who died. And Jesus went to the widow in Nain, a very small town, and had compassion on her and raised her son from the dead because her son was the only means to the livelihood that she would have had. Reaching the person on the fringe. And you see this time and time again, like the woman that's bent over double because of some back pain or some issue. And, and again, this woman would have been walked by people day in and day out and avoided and ignored. And Jesus sees her, has compassion, touches her, and brings healing. And so Jesus cared for all these women on the fringe who would have been avoided by people and culture and, and would have been seen as unclean. Jesus also pointed to women as models of the faith. I mean, you see this happen in the way he teaches and the way he talks. Uh, when he tells the parable of the ten virgins, it's ten women that are literally holding the candle of the faith, waiting for Jesus to come. These women are the bearers of the faith in anticipation of the return of Jesus as he is teaching men and women. This is what he's saying. These women are going to be holding out the flame. Or the story of the widow and her might, where he talks about the woman who brings just what little bit she has and gives it as an offering, and, and the rich guys off in the corner, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees are like, that's not much, she didn't give much, and Jesus makes a point to prove to them that she gave more than them because of what she gave out of what she had and who she was, holding up this woman of faith as an example and a model of faithfulness. Or the story of the persistent widow who day in and day out came to the unjust judge wanting justice to be served faithfully and she never gave up. She was persistent. And Jesus points to her as an example of persistence and faith. So he did this. He, he touched the untouchables. He rose women up as examples of faithfulness. He allowed women to gather around him and become his disciples. And he also addressed very specific cultural issues of lust and divorce to protect and value women. Because in this culture, again, they, they couldn't get jobs. They, had no, they didn't have many legal rights, if any at all. And so sometimes women would just say, ah, you know, I'm going to divorce you and, and name any reason and go off and find somebody else. And they'd be left with nothing. No support, no means. And so Jesus attacks it head on. He says, guys, you can't do this. You can't just leave women because you're no longer interested. You're, you're to take care of them. And so he's challenging guys that sort of disrespect and don't care for and don't see to uh, the role that they play in these lives of these women. This is some of the stuff that gets him ultimately crucified in a way. It's countercultural. When you read the Gospels, women are the first to witness the resurrection, not the men, not the disciples. They, they go to the tomb early in the morning, and they're the first ones to see that he is not here. He is risen. They're given that gift to, to experience that moment with the angel at the tomb. They become the, the mouthpiece and proclamation of that truth. And Jesus, in the Gospels, he honors his own mother, in very significant ways. You see him honor his mom at the wedding feast at Cana, and, 
and on the cross at the wedding feast, you know, they run out of wine and, and Jesus isn't, you know, he's not keen on just doing miracles to bring more drinks for everyone necessarily, but his mom is insistent um, that he do it. And what does he do? He honors her and does it. On the cross, while Jesus is up on the cross, breathing his last breath, about to die, he looks down from the cross and he sees his mother with his disciple whom he loved. And he says to the disciple, here is your mother. And to his mom, here's your son. Take care of her. Take care of him. Even as he was about to die, he wanted to make sure his mom was cared for. You see, you read all this stuff, like we see all this stuff in Scripture, and I think we kind of take it for granted because of our own culture, but we don't realize just how radical and strange and weird this was for Jesus to do. It wasn't normal. The things he did, the things he said, the things he challenged, it's like not normal at all. And in which you're witnessing something new in Christ because what Christ is trying to point to is the reality that men and women are both bearing the image of God. Adam and Eve were both there in the beginning, called into his presence to be faithful and follow. It takes both. And so what Jesus is doing is breathing new life into a system that had become broken and misunderstood and not valued. And so here's the weird thing about the sermon series. Now, obviously, like, we picked this text and decided to do this because it is Mother's Day. Like, that was not an accident or coincidental, okay? Um, but the sermon series was planned before Easter. What I didn't know while I was reflecting on what we were going to study today, what we were going to explore today, what would be in the news at the same time, and what this might mean for our culture. Now, I'm not trying to make this political at all. <laughs> yeah, I really am not. Um, I <laughs> am not a woman. At least I hope I don't appear to, to y'all as one, right? I don't understand. I can't fully understand what it means to be a woman. And yet, as I'm reflecting on this, and there's like a Supreme Court brief that's leaked, and now all of a sudden there's all these politically charged conversations starting to happen around what women can or can't do or should or shouldn't do, and, and, and where does it all land in the cultural zeitgeist. And, and all I kept thinking is, um, wow, <laughs> I don't know what that experience is like. Again, like I said, I'm not going to address it. I'm not going to get into it. It's, it's, there's a lot to unpack. But my point is, like even in our culture, like when you look at different things, you can talk about disparity of pay, you can talk about women's benefits and maternity rights, and you can talk about things like abortion. In the midst of all of this, I think the people that get hurt the most <laughs> are the women. <laughs> And in the midst of the chaos and the brokenness and the uncertainty and the lack of clarity, Jesus speaks. 
I want to go back to that Matthew passage where the woman who had been ill for 12 years runs to Jesus and touches his garment and is instantly healed. And if you read the text, it's like he turns and it says he sees her. (laughs) He sees her. And what does he say? He says, take heart, daughter. Take heart. That is, no matter what pain you experience, no matter what confusion there might be, no matter what the world throws at you, I don't know. (laughs) I know it's hard to be a mom. I witnessed that. I know sometimes things at work don't seem to pan out or play out in fair ways for some of you. I know some of you don't have maybe the best um, support at home with your spouses. I know that kids sometimes don't respect you. (laughs) I know that on the news, everyone seems to talking about you. In the middle of all of it, Jesus says, Take heart, daughter. Meaning, you are his. You belong to him, and he loves you. He wants good things for you, he wants you to be full of grace to be honored, to be respected, to be loved, to be cherished, to be a bearer of the image of God the way he created you to be. You are a daughter of our heavenly father, a co-heir with Christ. You belong to the king. You belong to Jesus. And so take heart, daughters, and know that you are loved. In Jesus' name, amen.